0: Welcome to the mayhem. Dick and Lloyd mayhem. Media mayhem. Marketing mayhem.
1: You might love it, you might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show. Hey, welcome in, Walt Bodine. A fixture in Kansas City broadcasting for seven decades. TV, radio, author, foodie. So many stories to tell about this amazing guy. And on August 27th, Loy and I attended Walt's 99th birthday anniversary lunch at Grand Street Cafe with many of the people who worked alongside or were related to him to tell some tales of this legendary Kansas Cityan. And our first introduction goes to the organizer of the event.
0: Andrea Young, she's the hostess of the Walt Bodine birthday luncheon. All right, very cool. Thank you uh, for
2: having me. Thank you for coming, everybody. Good. And our guest of honor, Marty and Rebecca Bodine. All right. So glad they're
0: here.
1: We would have been celebrating. Walt. Hey, the Waltz. camera. Rebecca,
0: <laughs> she's down there.
1: All right, cool. And today and that-
2: is Walt's actual 99th birthday.
1: Isn't so, that something?
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. When you
2: worked for Walt, you were not allowed to say what year he was born. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> no. No. Oh, my he gosh. Did not that's like Kristen and Mark, how old She was. No, he really ever. didn't. Wow. We would have been oh, in so much trouble if we gave age We away. still
1: wouldn't have known how old he was. So, <laughs>
0: so you're not saying he was vain?
2: <laughs> he, he riled against getting old. Yeah. Yeah, He he was fighting it tooth and nail. Well, oh, I think that's why he would never retire, because he's like, once I retire, I'm going to, like, keel over.
4: Yeah. yeah. No, Which he, we all feel a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's a
0: lot to that story <laughs> in there, yeah. Robert. That there is. <laughs>
4: that's
0: Robert Barrientos. that? Huh? Robert had more lunches with Walt Bodine probably than any other human being on the face of so it. <laughs> would you no, agree uh, with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Rob
2: Forsythe. I think Rob, Rob Forsyth. Forsyth.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Rob Forsyth is
5: a... I just wanted somebody to buy. Is it contender? <laughs> He's yeah. a contender. Let's look at Rob. Hey, Rob. You were the
1: official lunch guy, weren't you? Yes. I got
5: that. to I got to drive Walt to our favorite places, and most of them were Winsteads.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> How long were you working with Walt? Um, yeah. I met him probably in 1976, and we were doing a monthly TV show, public affairs show, called uh, Bodine's Beat on Channel 41. Oh, I remember that. And uh, Bob Wormington was the general manager. Sure. He brought Walt over to 41 because they had known each other at WDAF, TV, Channel 4 for years, so they came over there.
0: Now, was this after the TV50 Fastcast? Fifty had already gone off the air,
5: and uh, forty-one was. You you do know that both Channel Fifty and Channel Forty-One were the two independent television stations in town, and they were each general managed by twin brothers, (laughs) the Warmington brothers. Ah, yeah. And so you couldn't tell which one you were talking to, (laughs) and it didn't matter. (laughs) But uh, Walt could tell them apart.
1: Oh, wow! But we, uh,
5: Walt and I uh, figured out lunch real quick, and what the only reason that we actually did any work at all was so that we could go to lunch and then you could ride it off.
2: Well, and that's what Walt used to say, the The best business gets done at lunch. He said, if you ever want to get anything done, take them to lunch. Yeah. Well, run golf. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Robert, any, memor- any memorable lunches that you can think of or places that Bizarre places. We never
6: it. would go to the same place for lunch, breakfast, or supper. Walt right? <laughs> would never go to the same places. It was always you gotta try something different. And he was really uh, attuned with that. Now he had a favorite luncheon groups, and I, I think Barry could tell you about that was you know, it, it doesn't happen to her as much today as it used to, there was there were certain breakfast and lunch groups that you would always go to, to discuss current
0: issues in city, mostly city politics.
3: Oh gosh, a, I just
2: you know, thought of a great one Was Mary
3: O'Halloran in any of those? Yeah. 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 With you? Well, there was a, a, a Saturday lunch group. Yes, that we still meet. Oh, do you? really? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me for speaking of you in the yeah. past tense. <laughs> <laughs> and Walt, of course, was sort of the center of it. In thinking about that group coming over here today, I thought, you know, there was a federal judge. There were many sort of prominent p- politicians in the group, some lawyers, remember Bruce Hodak and yeah, many um, others, and a couple women, myself and... Um, Nona Bowling yeah, and and then Walt, and with all these people that were so terribly verbal, it was very clear from the very beginning that the center of the group was Walt talking. I mean, his commentary mattered. If somebody got out of line, Walt was the one who who could just turn somebody off gracefully and kind of let him know we don't talk about things like that. <laughs> and um, Beloved. One time he got very angry at the whole group because we weren't entertaining enough. And the next Saturday he apologized with a big tear in his eyes about how he shouldn't have been so judgmental. Oh. <laughs> judgmental Walt was the one I liked. Wow, a soft side of Walt. Huh? <laughs> that same
6: federal judge he's speaking to you ruling today on the abortion issue with the state of kansas he's, he's doing the it real. yeah because i invited him here we still meet every saturday uh, for lunch here just right over there in the round table noon right yeah noon uh, and it was something that walt took me to 17 years ago when we used to be at the at the uh rock Hill club yeah and by that time walt had, had given up driving so he was always that was a whole thing Wow! Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know that he was going blind. You know that. I mean, that you know, the yeah, there's yeah. A,
7: little, a little, bit of denial going on. Yeah, I know <laughs>
6: <laughs> But he, he had fixed up this whole routine of people that would give him rides to certain things, <laughs> yeah. and he had and that he all worked out. And we were yes. very dedicated to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you and, were. Uh, yeah. But every, every, we still meet every Saturday. Charles Wheeler. Uh, Mayor, you sometimes show up once in a while. It's been a while. Max, Max, who was here before, yeah, Karen Stubbs,
3: uh, well, and to show you what kind of you know person Walt was in terms of ethics. I recall a couple times we had a member of the group who uh, liked to try to get the federal judge who was part of the group to comment on the cases he was oh, yeah. hearing, which most every human being knows is just not something you do. But <laughs> this gentleman was about to get news out of the federal judge, who was a truly remarkable lovely man. And Walt just turned him off with a with an alacrity that was was really fun to watch. And protecting the judge from having to do it himself. He was so concerned that it that our conversation be the right kind and that nobody who is at the table would have to feel stressed out by anybody else's questions. It's a good example, Walt cared about ethics, he cared about doing it right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Anything that had to do with his profession, he wanted done right and he protected other people's uh, interest in that. Anything above
0: that. telling some restaurateur that his food wasn't bad. He would draw the line there. Oh, that's a good burger. Anything more important than that? He had very high ethical standards. (laughs) Yeah,
3: he liked pie, too. Yeah, he He liked liked pie. pie. (laughs) We went searching around this time for pie. I mean, we finally ended up in Westport at the pie place. um, Oh, I forgot about that. And that's expensive pie. Yeah. But we
2: went there anyway. (laughs) I used to do the... Remember when Walt at KMBC did the segments? What do you what were say to that? What do you say to that? Say yeah, to that? The, food, I, the food ones. I did those with him for a few years, and when he would, oh my God!
5: And of course, he couldn't was, see.
2: That was, yeah. he couldn't see. Like That's, you had yeah, the, was, you had to line it all out. Okay. You had to tell From him placed, where on the plate yeah. it
7: was. Coordinate yep.
2: the restaurants, you know, and do the scheduling and then get him there and and he would do it on the fly. Like he wouldn't like no preparation.
5: And all the get news the shooters restaurant. over at nine would help him. They would they they were completely aware of the situation. So. They would snap their fingers or make a noise to tell him where to look. I mean, it, it was an amazing, amazing. This whole town loved Walt
2: Modine.
6: It was amazing. Yeah.
2: It was an amazing experience. Like that and being the producer of the Walt Modine show were like the highlights of the happiest times of my career. It was just so fun. Well, do you remember? And fascinating every day. Do you remember how the, the time things perfectly, yes. he would tell you when he would shoot a segment, he would tell you how many minutes and how many seconds it was, yeah. or he put him in the car and he could tell you what corners Yeah. would yeah. yeah. say, now we're at the corner of 39 and whatever, and I'd be like, how do you know that? You can't even see. He goes, I know. And he would. It was amazing. It was amazing. I yes. yes. oh, a yeah. visceral yeah. sense of the yeah. city. I mean, he really
3: yeah was a very central city, you know, I remember. the city, listening to James Flynn and oh, talk, oh, yeah. talk about the city was was like listening to Two Saints talk about heaven. Yeah, I mean it was, oh and then remember the building that used to be at 42nd and Broadway. Oh yes Jane, I do remember. It was, it was a little strange if you weren't from here, but if you love the city, Nobody loved it like he did. Oh, yeah. In a earthy kind of uh, sensual way. And the and yeah, Shame were say a great
2: pair. They listened to that show when they moved here to learn about like what restaurants to oh, you Oh, really? Ever, you know? he, had,
7: he had me do the field producing when I was out of work for a while. Did
2: you? For the And, and,
7: and for So the I would be, call, call ahead. We'd go out and scout these restaurants first. Right. And so by the end of, course, of the they're day, having scouting. you have eaten six times,
2: you know. (laughs) And when the restaurants hear Walt's coming, They roll out they like crazy,
7: and we would. You get there, and there'd be and,
2: every meal on the menu would to be on tell the table. We
7: only want here's the thing right. if you're it in on your menu. We'd like to see this, this, and this on the table. And like I remember, there was a German restaurant that was out near Eudora somewhere, and uh, we went in there. And, and this place was famous for its desserts. They had these these huge tower displays full of all different kinds of cakes and pies and everything else. Plus when they would do the German thing, they had every single kind, you know, from borscht to beets and, the, you know, the whole thing. And um, I thought I had it under control and we're only gonna put out <laughs> so many things. And we go in there and it's middle of the day and there's nobody in there. All the long tables, are, as long as this one, we're absolutely covered with food, finished oh my food. Goodness. One whole table just full of desserts, and they're like, here, turn try what you want. <laughs> I don't think we can do this. And
2: Walt would make a masterpiece out of that. Like, yeah. he would put the five minute segment together, completely ad lib, pick out what dishes he wanted to work with, and then completely ad lib it, and it would be like magic. And the then, way. what do you say to that? And I'm like, oh, what did I did you just do now? Yeah, the German place, that.
7: we kind of kept them on the straight and narrow and tried to just bring over the things we'd originally asked for. But the, uh, I can't remember who was shooting for him that day. But they had the uh, vehicle, Chris the, was
2: here. they
7: had the station vehicle absolutely packed because they gave us all this stuff to go.
2: And, uh, would never never wanted. All <laughs> it. and he would never take it. He never wanted to take any home. He'd yeah. like, take it. I don't want that in my house.
7: Well, the cameraman wanted to take oh, all no. this stuff. <laughs> of course,
2: yeah. And okay.
7: so we were literally packing. It was like an explorer for explorer. <laughs> and we were literally packing it into cubby holes in the background. Oh
3: Are you still talking about the German restaurant in Eudora? Yeah. I remember that place. Remember the the woman? She was a huge, this tall
2: German woman. And yeah. You ever talked with her? I and mean, she was really a character. Yeah, she was. And it wouldn't matter. Like we, it, it'd be nieces over on Truist, or you know. Strawberry Hill. Everyone loved Walt. It doesn't matter what race, religion, political. Well, strife, that was the last anyway. days
0: of real kind of he <could talk> to broad media uh, broadcasting.
2: So do we, he was there. Do we reveal yeah. the one food he wouldn't eat, and he would always say, "Is it on my plate?"
0: We already talked about it a little did bit, you but go chicken? ahead.
2: Chicken. Did,
0: uh, oh, Marty, Marty was just telling the story about <laughs> what what the them? trauma was that caused that. It
2: was did he have to kill one for, one for Christmas
0: or something? Well, one was there was one when he was
7: on the farm in Lawton, Kansas, yes. a little bitty kid, and they back then they butchered a the chicken for dinner. And when they did, the chicken, you know, they'll take off and run a little bit, right, on him. Oh, <laughs> right on him.
2: So he would always say, no chicken died on my behalf. <laughs> no chicken died on my behalf. Yeah, he did. And so I'm we'd go sure. to those, like, if you And the to a waitress has got to listen to the chicken story, And, and, and instead <laughs> of asking for something special, he would say, he'd say, what's on my plate? I'd say, he goes, it's not. And I'd be like, yeah, it's chicken. I said, I'll ask for something else. He goes, No, no, just push it to the side. Yeah. Tell me where the tomatoes
7: yeah. are. Eat it all right <laughs> so it looks like a <laughs> yeah. yeah. He would do that to me. Get, well it's when we'd be out doing the field production to just to, to size places up. He would order a whole bunch of stuff and i he'd sit there and oh, you eat this and you eat this and you eat this and so he's like he's still doing okay and I'm just like, Oh I cannot yeah. eat anymore.
2: Yeah, sometimes so, I think I broke his heart because he loved food so much and I'm not a foodie. So he'd say, after the show, where should we go eat? And I'm like, I don't know. We just eat breakfast. <laughs> and that's, he thought about food all the time. It was like, it made him so happy.
3: It was a sort of a cultural thing. I think, you know, he really, he really wanted to promote promote the diners. The people with small joints trying did, to get yeah. started. Yeah. Yep. And, oh yeah,
2: uh, he
7: didn't want chains. No, he oh, no. never
2: really did chains. Never, no, no. <laughs> In Kansas City, I mean, it's got. I like, well, went to at yeah.
3: once with Walt, and uh, it was amazing. I don't think he ever did get to his food. There were so many people that came up to him. Uh, it brings, it makes me a little choked up, being honest with you, because the kind of people who came up. Just wanted to meet him. They just wanted to say that they had. You know, they were also terribly complimentary and but listening to the show. You're but it, me he up. meant something to them because he knew they knew that he cared about ordinary
2: people. Mm-hmm. Yep. They did. They knew it. There they knew definite, it, instinctively. It <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. was a connect. great
0: experience. A personal connection with lying there in bed at night and back in the sixties of <laughs> yes. WHB. Oh, I'll bet. Brings us to
2: radio.
0: Nightbeat. Listening to nightbeat. That's such a
2: Putting the uh, transistor personal. radio yeah, under your pillow. Exactly. supposed to be in bed. Well, He had a, he had a
3: little Larry King about him when he started telling stories about the old days. Remember when he had a tiger in the studio? Oh, guy yes. A yes, I remember that. And he told the story. It got better with the year. We <laughs> heard it was a lion. Was it a yes, lion? Yes. It was a so, lion. Excuse yeah. me, the lion right, in the okay. studio. That's okay.
0: I mean, same deal. And the guy only had it for a week. He right? had, yeah, that was the, the punchline of the story. Max was, Max was telling it is that Walt was very nervous they strapped it down to a stanchion and here the line is dragging the stanchion back and forth and the guy said well how long have you had and the guy said a week
3: a oh, week now that's, that's what scared cool. the hell out of
2: him
0: he's like you gotta go oh god
3: that was well and funny. he
2: was in that building at night by himself mm-hmm. yes. he was. and just yes. like out of nowhere everybody was in
0: those days yeah,
3: yeah all the doors it locked engineer, behind yeah.
2: you when <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Lloyd Lockerby did. You did movie reviews yeah, on the I show, and Robert Walt kept going to movies yeah. even after he couldn't see anything.
6: Right? Oh, I know
2: about this. Robert had to narrate.
0: Yeah, for seventeen years, almost seventeen
6: years, I would take Walt on Sundays to go see a movie, and we went to go see. Uh, oh, the movie was. Um, uh, Nicole Kidman and her and her
3: husband. And her. Oh, oh I'm blind. Uh, oh, so he so were I do wow. not envious try to describe that. And
6: so movie. I, I, I <laughs> had taken feet. a friend. I, I had taken a friend with me. Oh, so I was up early. here describing to him what was going on. And I he says, "Shit, this is the worst time to be blind." <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I
6: well, was explaining some of those
2: scenes. <laughs> well, it was the longest time before I even realized he was using his sign. Yeah, I came in a little late in the game. He never really, you yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, I mean because he would time. talk about going to the movies. Yeah, yeah. and that was we go to people. I was like, oh, you know, so people going to movies, and right. go, we'd go eat for his birthday. And- you know somebody who just had a whisper in his ear was on the plate where
0: and he faked it yeah. pretty well for quite a while i his oh, yeah. was going for years yeah I mean, and how far well, back when did that start well, oh
7: that's, that started probably
0: in his 50s but, I guess, no i'm sorry it started
7: in his 40s in, I the, remember, 19s, in the late 40s in the 1960s in my 70s yeah 70s, right in there, 70
0: 1978 or
7: so when he got driving okay <laughs> But it was in the '60s, I
0: guess, I, when I first diagnosed it. And I got one Walt story that I, I'll never forget. Is there are many, but I was in Panama, on a junket with my dad and some other guys. Oh, yeah! And when you're going to the Panama Canal back then, I think this was back during the Carter administration. It was way back. Walt couldn't see much at all. You no, know, it was, like, and, he, and he couldn't yeah. swim. <laughs> and, I had, and and everybody else was older and they were like, you take it. Well, there was a a rope bridge that you walked from the land to the station. And it went like back and forth. Um, Ropes on each side and wooden, little wooden planks. He he wanted to do it. And I had to walk him across that thing. I can't swim. it's, It's... Forty feet down into the drink.
7: In the <laughs> and he's the most unathletic. Uh, <laughs> he, had no, he had no sense of balance. Well, Couldn't
3: that's why see anything. Sports. Couldn't swim. I, mm-hmm. We don't talk about sports. No sports. No sports. No, no sports. Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing that
1: sports gene. My kind of guy. <laughs> that's that's well, how's the Chiefs doing? You know? but that's Just about it.
3: Nothing. Uh, they didn't
1: really want to
7: know. You know, Dick and media and marketing mayhem
0: always has a sports. Section on it. That's
1: <laughs> yeah, it's usually a, a moment of silence.
7: <laughs> but you know, he did keep a secret that he was losing his sight, so people would come, people didn't know, so they'd come up to him and they'd and say, they, Hi, how are you doing? And stick out their hand. He'd shake hands with them, ask them how they were doing, and then they'd walk off and they'd go,
2: Who was
0: that? I know, yeah. 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 Remember me? When I was in, to
2: do that. in college and entered with him. He was losing his sight. He was a professor yeah. at UMKC. Oh, wow. see, he was my professor. My he professor was too. Yeah, he was mine How too. How I first met him. Me too. And um, he had a computer, an old Mac, and he would type like in, and he loved it because back in that was the Mac you could do with the fonts, and so he could make the fonts 128 points and and see oh, it. Really? So when I first because met him, he could still kind of see a little bit,
1: and he would, you know, type out his,
2: his notes, whatever. Yeah. And it just kind of slowly.
7: Yeah, pinhole vision lasted a long time. Yeah. Because yeah. he had a, uh, uh, it was a deal that would magnify print. Yeah. So he'd lay it out, go and it was on a stand and transmit it to a, camera, transmit it to a TV screen. Oh and yeah. And blow it up.
0: You know, he could he, use that. He would be on the radio. It would say, Bob. Right. It would be yeah. like right. you know, right. uh, 18 inches. And he and have got that Bob on the line. To
2: prepare for class. You know, for his his classes, he would, he could, he would make it real big. And yeah. He was an amazing person.
5: He was still driving, when I myth. <laughs> Uh-oh. I was right I at that point. I want to hear the
2: story of the trip he took to Jeff City. Uh, Do you know this story?
4: Uh, which part? <laughs> oh?
2: The part where he realized afterwards that he would not be driving anymore. This was the last time Walt ever drove. Did, I'm sure you've heard the story. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of
0: sad that he made that decision in Jefferson City.
2: Was uh, was it Jeff City, yeah. It might have been St. Louis.
5: I don't think it was that far.
0: <laughs> so
2: they he was on a he was on a he was interviewing some political wasn't it like an election year or something and they had to go there do this so story
3: uh,
5: and it, right at, at that point was when he started hiring producers to drive him right. in yeah. his own car. Right, yeah. And yeah. he had that pacer. Yes, okay, sir. Yeah, it had, you know, windows everywhere. And he floor? thought that would help him. Yeah, driving and then, it, un- unfortunately, the, the producer borrowed it and wrecked it, and that oh, was the last of Walt's cars.
2: Oh. But I don't know who he was with. Another reporter, and they were on a trip. The reporter drove and then wanted and Walt got to get very up. sick oh, or broke. I don't forget what happened. So, Walt drove back with someone else telling him, like, what to it's, do? It's,
5: yeah, it's, it's the old joke about, oh, you know, I can't see and I can, you know, I can drive but I can't see and I can see but I can't drive, so.
7: Between the two of us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how. We how. We
2: I don't know the story. I always wanted to, like, hear the person that was with him tell the story. Both, both live. Yes, You're the alive. story barely. is they both made it alive, but barely <laughs>
5: But well, he was legally blind almost at that point. Yeah, twenty-two you know, hundred vision. Yeah, and couldn't definitely he could make
2: legally out blind. And it,
5: as long as he could hear you, he knew who you were. But other than that, and
2: he was so gracious. He would always. The only thing he would ever say is, "It's you know, it's an it's an annoyance. It's an inconvenience." He would, he would never complain. No, he didn't complain. At least us. He probably complained at home. (laughs) He didn't brag. I remember taking him to Boston and having a similar scary incident. We took a water taxi from the airport to our hotel, and we were going to the first annual talk show Uh post-convention. And going with other... This is when talk radio was just starting to take off with all the crazies on. And so we get... And we've gotta go on this little ramp to get off the water, taxi to get to the hotel. I almost lost him. We were almost in the water. I was like, nervous wreck. We go to this, the first day of the talk show host um, convention, and there are all these young whippersnappers with huge egos. I mean, bigger than room. Yeah. <laughs> he won't says nothing. Right. And they're all looking at him like, oh, he's just some old guy. old guy. And there was a publicist was from England who used to book shows and guests on Walt's um, program and after all these young whip or I've I've interviewed this person and I've interviewed this famous person and and Walt says nothing and I'm like getting mad I'm like, you're an ass um, and and pretty soon the publicist says you all have interviewed no one compared to this man oh. And so this this British um, publicist is just naming, he's he's interviewed presidents, he's interviewed, I've taken these guests on, and they all looked like,
1: like (laughs) they had
2: no idea because Walt never said anything. He stayed perfectly quiet and modest and humble. Yeah. And they were all just gapping, and it was, it was probably the most perfect moment. He was he very, he was so humble. humble. He really okay. was. Yeah. He, did. He, did. he did. It was amazing. He would always just say, it's just really an, it's an annoyance or an inconvenience. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I'm like, oh Sometimes my God, I can we'll we'll I remember talking to <laughs> I mean, we have our light-hearted memories of him, but I remember talking with him about the age of the of television and internet and so on. And he brought up the story of covering the Plaza flood and what it was like to be with a microphone, standing down close. To, apparently, he broadcast live from the creek. Oh wow! That night. I mean, the, 70, 77. the 77 flood. And he said he couldn't get over the number of people who came by while he was broadcasting, ordinary folks saying, this is just like on TV.
4: (laughs) 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 And I
3: said, "Whoa, no kidding, people, they're standing next to a historic amount of water that was dangerous and already in the process of killing people. And their comment was, it's just like on TV. And we talked about the relationship between the real and and the media reality and life's real things and had a wonderful chat about it. He had a big
0: impact on KCUR that people don't really think about. And Robert, were you development director then? Marketing and development. Marketing and development. And and when, when Robert, I remember when Robert came over to the station, Talk a little bit about what happened—the transition of it. Well, uh, you were there, Kristen, at yes, the time. We I gave that because we it
2: was—yeah,
0: it was a little college station. Well, and it, it was—you know Was
6: well, it still
2: in the house when you? No, came no, out. no, no. We, we, we went, just come out of the house. So we, yeah, we, weren't we just long out of the house.
6: And uh, I was—I was working for NPR at the time, and that's when I was telling you the story about how we changed. Uh, with, with uh, I was staying at. Uh, uh, Ziegler,
2: uh, Laura Ziegler's department, because she
6: went to D.C. Mm-hmm. to do an internship I that. there. Well, when I came in, I had worked. Patty and I had worked together at uh, KMUW in in in, in uh, Wichita. That was General Manager Patty Cahill. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. And so Patty needed somebody very strong, and I had spent three years in El Paso starting their public radio and television station, and it was mostly all my duty was fundraising. Yeah. So she wanted somebody very strong, and I wanted to get back to the Midwest. Well, the first time I met Walt, Kristen was the producer, we didn't hit it off because I was very aggressive about fundraising. And a lot of the people at the station wasn't. You know, it was primarily two weeks of grind on for two weeks, 24 hours a day and you brought your friends into how pitch. Right. And I started to turn that around. I, I said, no, we need to go out and reach out to people in the community and bring them on. Uh-huh. And I said, I used this very success, successfully in El Paso and, K, and, and KMUW in Wichita, that that's what we're gonna do. Well, I had a lot of pushback. Yeah. And Walt pushed back on it too. And, but I was able to convince him to, I was able after a couple of lunches to, to to get his buy in. That guy opened up so many doors by saying, Here's my here's my Rolodex, you call anybody on there to get him to get him here. And we'd always have this tangle with the newsroom, remember? Yes. They thought, well, he's not worth it. This guy literally opened doors to me to the commu- to the corporate community. Why
2: was there always a tangle?
6: Well, because
2: why, why, I, I just felt I like think got, I don't know
6: you, Christian You would have a better insight. So
2: disrespectfully, when like he did so much for that yeah. station, you know, I think part of it was younger news people thinking that, not understanding the path and not understanding how hard he worked, and and part of it's when you're that good, you make it look easy. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's true. You make it look easy. That's so true. <laughs> and so they were thinking that well he makes more money he's you know and i don't know but there was a little bit of that jealousy but he always gave back to everybody even the people who wouldn't he would never disparage anyone even after they stabbed him in the back he would encourage them like (laughs) wall i'll say there were times i would be like i'll take him (laughs) down and he'd be like no no and yeah yeah well we tangled at first we did Robert but, and I'd be yelling in the hole <laughs> at each other. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. And then Walt would say, as soon as you got him on board, and as soon as yeah. he understood where your heart was coming from and how much you care, then he was on board. Yeah. And then he that was changed, ready yeah. to help and do anything, anything possible.
6: I mean, That changed anything. it all. Remember Ra- yeah. Roland, who was head of... Uh, Roland... Um, His last name was Roland. He was the head of uh, yes, uh, DST. In,
2: No, of Southern. Industries. Southern Industries.
6: Walt called him. Mm -hmm. Bam. $40,000. I mean, this is how much money I could get taking Walt with me to We, I could ask the big money that people were afraid to ask and and do the things that were necessary to push, you know, audience involvement and and fundraising. You know, when I got there, they had 3,200 members. When I left, they were close to 10000 We used to do two weeks of 24-hour fundraising painful painful it was painful after that first one i was there a huge understatement yeah i said we're going to stop this we're going to look at the numbers and we're going to break it out when we're going to fundraise so now you know the normal uh schedule they currently have was all started back then and walt was supportive of me because i needed him to convince the staff that i wasn't replacing him I just wanted to bring in more community involvement because that would enlarge our audience and in place our fundraising. Because we, mm-hmm. we and so we, many of
0: those sponsors are still there. Oh yeah, like uh, yeah.
6: Uh, uh, McDowell Rice and Smith. Right. Yeah, I brought him on because Walt had a connection with with Pete Rice, I think, and just called him up and said, "You guys, Pete Smith. sorry, Pete Smith." Okay. I think his name was Pete or Pete. Was, uh, what was the name Pete of the Pete
2: Smith that?
6: Uh, I don't know who Rice. Pete but. Smith. Well, I, oh. It was Pete Rice, or the Rice partner of the deal, oh, okay. the managing partner of the deal. Minsky's was... Oh, I mean, Greg. No, you were the... No, I met you through Greg. Greg Johnson. But, but it was the effort to put yeah. all those on. All those people that Walt was able to just open doors immediately. And it was so valuable uh, to increase the direct fundraising with that station. Changing the whole atmosphere of fundraising that they still use today. Uh, yeah, I think they've gotten away from it a little I bit before. but they're, they're still a looking at picture. more community Here, support that, yeah, that needed this. to happen in public broadcasting uh, because if they don't have that personal connection, and I can see that between mm-hmm. television, public television, public radio since i managed to do them, mm-hmm. is, it is so expensive to do a, public, uh, a television show sure. versus a radio show that it affects the programming that you use because you're buying into a network package that bundles everything, that you're you're paying all this money off of these bundles, like they did with 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 uh, uh, finally in the in the '80s they, they went to bundling uh, programs for uh, for NPR, where if you couldn't just buy all things considered more, you had to buy the whole package, yep. which became very expensive. And PBS started it, that trend before that. Well, PBS forgot about a few things. One, cable. <laughs> in eighty-six, cable hit a saturation after all the lawsuits we've done with it hit a saturation of about sixty percent. And after that, cable became dominant. So force. if
0: Wall hadn't been on board, the change wouldn't have happened. The change would not have happened, we would probably have done that. <laughs> You're in it too.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, we want not hit it on the screen yeah. back there yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, three of them. Thank but if it you. wasn't all was yeah.
6: opening up okay. doors to yeah, corporate America here, that's, yes. uh, there wouldn't be...
3: cool. Yeah. Thing you have
6: KCR would it's never have gotten to, go
3: to where it is yeah. Yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. you uh, know you you never would be open with it today. Oh, I know it. Know. I would know, convince him, why we're bringing strong deals <laughs> like Sean Smith. I wish Sean would have been here, because I trained Sean to be that strong... Uh, post at that fundraising to open it up and to get the conversation going. I taught him how to talk. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you, I guess. I, I, I know
6: all the voices he knows
0: because of you. I said lower, lower, <laughs> lower. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. No, lower.
2: Who did he used to do an impression of? It was so funny.
0: Bill Shapiro.
2: Bill Shapiro. Yes. Yes. Voyage,
6: yes. Walt Dee, Charles oh, Wheeler. Really? <laughs> I, mean, yes. I remember when I did yes. that capital campaign. And we, and Walt, we were up here bouncing because Walt was a great person to bounce off ideas. With. Yeah,
2: He loved it. Yeah. yeah, and we so Walt,
6: Sean, and I decided let's let's have a let's have a brainstorming meeting with Walt about how we're going to do this capital campaign okay, because we had to raise an additional like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get us a, a new transmitter. I remember that. Remember, I think you may have been there too because we were all brainstorming, and Walt was the one who came, said, "Well, look." Make the transmitter a living person.
0: Yes, it's right. Sort of like 2001: Space Odyssey.
6: <laughs> so Shaw became that
0: voice. And we did that thing down in Westport. Yeah, yeah. A transmitter. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. What was it called? What do we call it? Transmitter.
6: Yeah, uh, ha- uh, how? how?
0: how? I've got you. some audio of the how the transmitter promo that we did on the fundraiser. Yeah. Where we did the story of how, yeah, where yeah. he got in like a, an artistic disagreement with like John Billieu, uh-huh. Fred broski or something. I, it, was, it was really Fred crazy Brodsky. stuff. We we did some crazy string of consciousness. Yeah, and you oh know, she, it, it, and, and a lot of people don't know that Lloyd was like my my my
6: right hand genius to come up with these creative ideas that we did during that period. And, you know, you're the one who said, you should be promoting the hell out of it during the silent campaign. And we did all those uh, uh, promotions. We started the art crawl.
0: Oh, we did start the, the art The first art crawls in the country. 90, Friday right? night art wow. crawls. And we started in the plaza, and then we went to Westport. Westport and, and then we went, the went to what is now called the Crossroads. Yeah,
6: 1993. Charles Porter Barry. Oh, yeah. you talked Charles into doing the same. I still have that t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crawling with
3: artists at the Crossroads. Kansas City and the, the city
0: crawling with artists. Do you
2: remember Valentine Radford? Yeah, the wild city, wild Bianco was was that's yeah, my addiction. Yeah. It's it's well back in the day I forget the the guy's name Charlie uh, might have been the son of the the owner I'm Mm -hmm. not sure Uh, I can't think of his last name (laughs) he got me (laughs) somehow (laughs) involved in this thing they did Creative Cafe this was like remember pre-internet this was like the very beginning I think we were still on dialogue but Valentine Redford had this idea we're going to have like a creative online cafe
3: Okay. And so I
2: would find and book the guests. Yeah, so, I remember that. And it was wow. once a week, and like.
4: Great yeah, about It was well. a great story. How was Janet that good at Yeah, yeah I was. And we would interview wow, these. If, wild. It was wild. Well,
0: a lot of great okay, so wall stories. Yeah, did. thank you. And great, uh, uh, again, Andre and Young, pull this thing together yeah. for the yeah. what, what year so is this? Ninety-nine. Uh, how many of these? Save
2: the date 100. for one hundred. One hundred. Yes. August 27th, 2020.
1: So many great stories, and the 100th anniversary birthday celebration next year. While we were there, Loy had the opportunity to move around the table and chat one-on-one with some of the people in attendance, like former producer Kristen Van Voorst. So, Kristen Van Voorst, what have you been doing?
2: I'm still in real estate, 17 years later, um, teaching new agents how to get in this crazy business.
0: I'll bet you miss being Walt Bodine's producer.
2: I miss it, most days I miss it. There are times, you know, I wanted to chase him around the table with his penis.
0: When did you work with Walt?
2: It was in the late 80s. Yeah. So oh, I
0: remember that. Yeah,
2: the late 80s. And it was, we transitioned when I first started with Walt. It was an evening show. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just a couple of months into my position that we switched to mornings.
0: Well, that's a nasty trick. Oh,
2: well, Walt was a natural morning person and I wasn't. And so I had to pick him up at 6 o'clock every morning. I'd get in the car and he would just chatter away. And then he'd look at me and goes, you're not a morning person, are you? And I'm like, oh, man. I said, i got to get coffee in me. Let's get to one of the dives. We go to one of the breakfast
1: dives.
0: Sanderson's or uh, what did he like? I forget.
2: Sanderson's is one of Chubby's. Nichols, Chubby's. Nichols. Uh, Matter of fact, in Sanderson's, I remember one morning we went in, and I was in my little dress, and we are going in, and I go in the ladies' restroom, and there were some ladies in there who I don't think they'd gone to bed yet, and I thought they were going to take me down right there. I came out and told Walt, I uh, it's kinda of rough in here so in the morning. I Which place was that? Anderson. Sanderson's,
8: yeah. Oh
0: my Where, were they ladies? Uh, ky uh, Maybe maybe not. Well, maybe not.
2: It goals, probably not. That's
0: but right. Sanderson's
2: I think they were.
4: So they were looking a little tough.
0: I you <laughs> know, and Chubby's wasn't that great either. I had I sat in there one evening and, and sitting next to me at the counter was a a lady who obviously fancied herself as a witch. And she started casting a spell on me. Of course she did. And so I got up and told the host that I, I had to leave, and he said, well, was something wrong? I said, well, that lady's a witch, and she's casting a spell on me. And he said, okay.
2: Okay. And yeah, you never knew what you were going to encounter in those places.
0: I think, it's, I think she did, and I think it yeah. stuck.
2: Oh, you're still yeah. under
0: that stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm host. It's nice to see you, but I'm glad you came. <laughs> Have you been to many of these Walt? Bertos? Off and
2: on, you know, sometimes makes it hard. I come um, every year I can.
1: And I think that's one of Walt's radio guests over there, Tom O'Brien.
4: Tom, what's your connection to Walt? Um, Walt um, had us on his show about once a month. George Costello and I, Mm. and we were the computer guys. Oh, wow. And we did a a call-in, a little bit of news, and then people would call in with their computer questions. This was back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. We did it for 14 years. So and late uh, 80s, used to be yeah. yeah, late '80s through. We put a podcast, uh, well, long podcasts. after Walt left, so it. Well, you go right. m
0: s backslash
4: underscore dos. That's, that's exactly what we would say. Yeah, and uh, also, and then you type just like yeah. it was a typewriter, and we'd say, I don't know, you should look that up. <laughs> it was fun, and Walt um, was not all that interested in computers. No. But he was uh, really interested in what people thought about the whole thing. And I thought that was pretty interesting because he'd always come up with some pretty good uh, point. Even though he knew nothing about what we were talking about, he'd come up with a really interesting point to make you think about, well, why are we doing it like this? Or, you know, what is the point? Of Isn't our work?
0: that true? That was what Walt did. He was kind of a zero based thinker there. He didn't have to be tuned into the subject. He'd just be tuned into the people.
4: Yep.
1: Yep. And before he has to leave and get back to UMKC to teach a class.
0: Professor, sorry, I know you're leaving soon. Some of these I am. Tell thing. me what's up. You, know, you, you're Max. What? What is your connection to Walt?
8: Well, uh, Walt and I were friends. I appeared on his show many times. Probably the first time was back in 1970. Uh, I drove up from Springfield, Missouri, and was on his show with regard to a book I had just published on uh, language and politics. Now tell me your name and the title of some of your books. My last name is Skidmore, S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E, Max Skidmore, and uh, the one that was the most fun was uh, Moose Crossing, Portland to Portland on the uh, Theodore Roosevelt International Highway.
0: So up there in, uh, it runs through Canada then,
8: uh, in and out of Ontario. From Portland to Portland, huh? Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever heard of that. <laughs> well, those who, uh, the few people who know of it think that it's the same as U.S. too.
4: And much of it is, but in the, uh,
8: in the far west and in New England, it does not follow. So did you go uh, by covered wagon? <laughs> I went by covered pickup truck. Did you? Uh, sometimes I'd stay in luxury accommodations. Sometimes sleep out in a tent. Uh, sometimes in the seediest motels you could imagine. And I'll bet back in 19
0: what 60-something, they were pretty seedy. When did you do that trip? I did
8: that in '97. Oh. And uh, the book didn't come out for 10 years. It was uh, 2007. And but I your first know. Walt put uh,
0: appearance was nineteen seventy. Right. Is that what you right. said? Right. Wow, that's going back. Right. He was on
8: KCUR. No, he was on WHB. WHB oh, Nightbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Top of the old Power and Light building. Well, you go way back with yeah, Walt. I did. And of course, I was only two years old at the time. Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh,
8: no, and we became friends after that. I moved to Kansas City in, um, at the end of 1984. And you're affiliated with yeah, UMKC. UMKC, and yeah. were, were you always
0: in academia, or were you in uh, other yes. fields? Yes,
8: more or less. I, I came here as dean of the College of Arts and Sciences, and then in 1992 I stepped back to the classroom. And you're still instructing. And I am, And you're, I'm, and you're kind of going to have to split I'm, here and... I'm now retiring, though. I'm retiring at the end of this month.
0: Well, good for you. Yeah. So what kind of bizarre hobbies are you going to take up? Well, I'm
4: continuing to
8: teach, and I'm continuing to write, and uh, I like music and do a lot of reading and going to start a rock band? <laughs> no, but my son has one. Okay. The Joey Skidmore band. All right. Um, um. He's uh, having his Skidorama in um, <laughs> October at Knuckleheads, so we should all go. Oh man, go Skidorama! That. Yeah, that's an annual event.
0: Maybe he could uh, perform in Skidmore sometime. <laughs> you know, now they got rid of that bully. Uh, that's yeah, that's true. They did. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking
1: to you, Max Skidmore. Good talking
0: with you. Have take, fun. Take care.
1: So many great people, so many great times. Walt Bodine affected so many people. Hey, you can see the video version of this on our YouTube channel, too, if you'd like. And until next time. You
0: might love it. You might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show.